Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Join us on our journey into the past, the present, and the future as we explore the relationship between technology and humanity. Together, we are going to find out what it means to live in a society where everything is connected and the only constant is change. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at Nintex.com. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Marco. Sean, what's going on? Have you been a good boy? Uh, I don't know. Define that, please. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think you've done something bad. Go to your room. Well, <laughs> as long as I can bring my mobile phone, my tablet, and I have the internet connection, I have absolutely no problem in doing that. I think we're going we'll, to we'll give day. you all of that, but we're going we're gonna to turn the internet dial down so you can't actually stream anything. <laughs> Bandwidth down? I can only research for studying. Exactly. Uh, is that how we control our kids now? Nowadays, I, I think that's the uh, yeah. I think that's it. That's the it's the the beauty of keeping them entertained when we don't want to deal with them, and and the use of, of something to punish them and leverage against them <laughs> if if we want them to do something. Right? I think we're be, talking yeah, we're talking about the history of uh, of society and and family and small groups and there's always been that you know you have to educate and sometimes you have to leverage what can uh, trigger a good answer from uh, from your kids but things have changed things have oh changed my, oh my god <laughs> and and certainly kids have the benefit of kind of just being in it and and learning as they go parents are thrust into this world of Okay, how do I actually use what's available to the benefit of of my uh, parenting role and to the benefit of my children? But um, what do I? What do we know? We don't know anything, and that's why we have. So we invite uh, people to do amazing people who know stuff, <laughs> and uh, this is going to be a really fun conversation. And I'm thrilled to have Sonia Livingstone on with us today, and we're going to talk about the. Uh, the, the future, current future of parenting uh, with everything digital. And uh, Sonia, it's fabulous to have you on. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for asking me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We, we figured out this little trick where when we want to talk about something, we, we get somebody that wrote a book about it. That, that should qualify. And on top of that, you're also a professor. <laughs> so uh, I, think, uh, I think we'll have a lot to learn today. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so we should start from uh, from the beginning, a little bit about yourself, and then uh, what triggered you to, to actually write this particular book? Sure. 
So I'm a psychologist originally, and um, some years ago I started doing research on children and all things media. Uh, actually, it was a long time ago. It was in the days when uh, the VCR was coming in and the home computer was coming in. and uh, oh, That was fun. It, <laughs> it was different. <laughs> and people were really beginning to say, wow, everything is new and changing. How do we, what do we do for the kids? And I've been doing that research for a long time. And it was only recently I really noticed that no one was listening to the parents. Um, people thought about parents um, as a way of getting to the kids, as a way of controlling the kids or discovering what the kids were doing or um, trying to kind of make sure the right resources or right kind of um, expectations um, shaped how the kids acted. But no one was really thinking about the parents as parents. And so I decided to do this project where I would listen to what parents were thinking and how they were uh, figuring out their responsibilities in this weird new digital age and what their concerns were. So I read a book. Perfect. And there are all the answers yeah. right in there. All the answers. In there. Um, <laughs> all the questions that parents exactly. have and a fair number of challenges back for society because what it, what it turned out that I, one of the things that was really interesting was that parents really feel kind of uh, talked about, talked to, um, ex, you know, things expected of them, but not very often listened to and uh, not very often having the things they want or think are important kind of acted on. So they feel like they're kind of individually, you know, receiving this kind of barrage of information, a lot of it which is contradictory, a lot of it which is incredibly kind of normative. Um, so the book has also become a bit of a, a way of, you know, channeling parents' voices back to those who could make some difference. Yeah, and I want to go to a point that you, you just mentioned and that I'm, I'm wondering how technology is built and it's targeting a particular audience and may not understand the relationship of that audience with others, right? So in this case, we're looking at kids and parents. So either the technology is built for parents to help with kids or mm -hmm. for kids to do something and mm. forget the parents. So I'm wondering how, speaking to the parents here, how do how do they bridge that gap since it's not being bridged for them, what what do they have to explore and understand as technology is introduced to them and, and to their children? Not much, not much. Um, so this is a question that we ask parents, um, and you know they said for almost everything else they do as parents, they could ask their their own parents, or they could look back to their own childhood and figure out, you know, did I like that or do I want to do the opposite? Uh, they could get advice from the child's school or, you know, lots of sources for, I don't know, how do you get your child to sleep or how do you get your child to eat vegetables or whatever it is. But what is the right thing to do with technology? Um, parents feel kind of much more on their own. The school is a bit at sea and struggling to keep up. Their own parents don't really know. They, they don't get it so well at all. Um, and uh, even though they don't, parents feel kind of uninformed by it or not really supported in, in this kind of fast changing world, uh, they're getting a barrage of marketing. Like this will be good for your child. This is going to help them get ahead to that digital future. This is going to be just what they need to learn to code or whatever. So it's not that they don't get anything, but they don't know how to weigh it and who can kind of guide them through um 
all that the both the technological complexities and the marketing claims they do talk to each other uh, and that's kind of helpful and it's kind of another problem because there's a lot of what I discovered is there's a lot of competitiveness among parents and a certain kind of degree of parent shaming oh you let your kid spend so long on the on mm. the tablet you let your child play that game you know so there's 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 they're not always as you know people could be more supportive interesting yeah this is all of the pointing fingers uh, <laughs> and uh, talking about pointing fingers Sean knows that one of my, uh, my my big questions is always when we come to these topics is who is teaching the teachers who is educating the educators and where this gap came to be and I, I don't know I think in my head the question is pretty simple you you mentioned that the acceleration the digital acceleration has been mm. incredible mm. Uh, you know I can go back and relate to to the time when VHS came out and and, and uh, go to your room without TV for a day or something like that it was mm. relatively easy and mm. also maybe if we look a little bit back into the history of, of uh, mass media a little bit more easier to understand. Sure, there was the TV box and how magically the images and the sound come to be, but you didn't really need, of course, to understand the technology, so not nowadays, but it was a little bit more constricted, a little mm. bit more defined in that box. I mean, you turn mm. off the, the TV and it's, it's off. You, dec- you know what is coming on, on the channel mm. back in mm. the days. Yeah. Now, now it's, it's complexity. It's- the complexity is um, huge and the choice is huge. And what I, what I heard from parents in the, in, when I was doing the research is um, there's, there's this kind of double meaning to facing that challenge because on the one hand, there's the very practical challenge you just outlined, which is how do you know if this is good or bad for your child's learning or if this is going to um, lead them into um, risky situations or take their data in ways that will damage their privacy later. There's a lot of very kind of real questions around the tech that parents are trying to figure out. But at the same time, there's this um, very profound sense in which people think of technology as the solution to all kinds of other problems in their lives. So the parents who are uh, struggling with um, poverty, let's say, who kind of hope that technology will provide the it's something they can do that can give their child the route to the skills they'll need for a job. Or the parents who are struggling with um, family breakdown or perhaps family separated across continents, for whom the technology is like the solution, not just for technology's sake, but to keep their family together. Um, or the parents whose children have special needs and disabilities, who whose society very often is failing and who hope that the tech is the the workaround that they need to give their child a chance. So, you know, there's the technology and figuring that out, and then there's all the meanings that in society we put on it and all the hopes and fears that kind of add the demands and add the um, the burden, really, which, which makes parents, you know, and, and you just talk to parents to get a sense of their anxieties about technology, but they are also anxieties about the future and that is uncertain for so many other reasons. Yeah, and I, 
I don't necessarily want to hang on the anxiety and the fear part, but, mm-hmm. but uh, you pre- presented some really interesting scenarios, which are very positive, right? Bringing mm-hmm. people together mm-hmm. and, and, and giving mm-hmm. hope to certain situations that may not mm-hmm. uh, be an option otherwise. So you mentioned anxiety what, and, and fears. What, what do parents think about as they're embarking on the journey to use technology? Are they thinking about the issues that might come of it, uh, the, the side effects, if you will, of, of taking that uh, digital pill. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're just thinking about so many different things at once. Um, and maybe uh, this would be a good moment to kind of differentiate among parents because we found parents kind of taking different strategies. Um, and of course, some um, have a fair bit of technological understanding they might work with tech they might um, be quite young and themselves brought up and always interested in technology so it's not that they're all coming to it you know from a kind of position of of, of ignorance um and so we found some parents or who who were really keen to embrace technology and say okay it's the future i know something about it i'm going to you know, share this with my children, do this. We found parents who, you know, had they had several computers in the house and they kind of wired them all up or they got their own server to play Minecraft with other people or they were um, getting their kids into coding and then learning coding alongside and setting their kids challenges in, 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 in the games or in the coding or whatever. Um, and then other parents who were, you know, one mum I remember who was teaching her ch- children to cook because she felt their future was going to be so virtual that they needed to know about physical things. They needed to kind of cook with real food and have a very grounded sense of what humanity should, you know, was was about. And then all, all kinds of, you know, mixtures in the middle, parents kind of embracing tech in some ways and resisting in others and trying to find some kind of balance. And the balance is interesting because it means that you know, as as I think you just suggested, Sean, parents are kind of weighing every little thing, you know, this game, will it, you know, is it going to be fun for now, but will it get them somewhere? Will it take them down the path to that, you know, those digital jobs that haven't been invented yet, you know, all that, all that rhetoric, or uh, this seems like an innocent app, but is that the one that's going to let in the risks that, you know, so there's, micro decisions all the time um and it's not always anxious i mean sometimes it's intriguing it's fun they're doing something different from the way they were parented and lots of people are very keen to do things a bit differently from how they were brought up um it's not all nostalgia for the past um um but they do feel you know kind of responsibilized as it were as we as we say you know they feel like this is a, a burden on them they've, they've got to figure it out it takes right. a lot of energy. Right. And I want your perspective on this, Sonia, because there's using technology to get ahead, sort of mm-hmm. to learn more, become, become more uh, viable as a candidate for a job or to do some research or something. And so that's using the technology. But I find, and maybe you can con- confirm or, or fix my perception of this, but I find that as a society, we just use technology and we don't actually understand it and learn how mm-hmm. it works so that perhaps we could tweak it and make it better to even further uh, mm-hmm. our, our abilities as humans. So do you find that parents are getting their children to 
learn the technology, not just use it for their own benefit? Some. And in some ways, and maybe that is about uh, attitudes to parenting, whether people kind of have a, a learning approach to life, as it were. Here's a challenge. Let's figure it out. Let's puzzle together. Um, so I would say um, there are plenty of ways in which people see the challenge of what is this technology about and why do you want it as a kind of parenting opportunity, if you like, a moment to discuss values with their child or what their child hopes to get out of it. Or, um, But there is something about the way that technology is perhaps marketed and presented that doesn't make those doesn't make those conversations easy you know that that whole kind of idea of frictionless design and you know kind of making it really easy for the user it doesn't provide many opportunities for people to so so it's very easy just to find that you're slipping into using it without asking the questions about you know what was that choice that just popped up or you know what were the other ways we could have managed this um, so there, I'm thinking about just design like a, stuff, just there. like a tablet with apps on it. What what's involved there, right? There's a there's a device, there's an operating system, there's a network, there's a yeah, cellular which, connection, there's applications, there's data, there's cloud, there's what are all those elements, yeah. right? And then do yeah, do yeah. kids which know? Do parents know? No. Does it matter? <laughs> I guess it's really. Uh, I think it matters. I think it matters um, uh, for several reasons, and parents think it matters. Yeah, I mean, one is, okay, so top of mind for most parents is the risks, um, because mainly, I generalize now, mainly children after a certain, when when they stop being really little, they use uh, the same apps as adults. They don't want to be in a kind of little child box, so they're out there in the big, wide digital world. Um so then it matters that those uh, spaces and services they use have not kind of been designed to anticipate um, their needs uh, and their understanding. Uh, and as we know, and as I'm sure you've discussed in this in, in, with, with other folk, um, the challenges of regulating the digital space are really quite considerable and even designing it for anyone other than the kind of the, the techie nerd that first thought of it. Um so, so the risks thing is is serious. I'm I I think we don't have enough of a conversation in our society about what the good could be. Um, what what which are the apps that foster your child's creativity? Which are the apps that um, uh, really kind of offer them I don't know an, an educational path that is going to be enlightening rather than just kind of you know, just getting better grades or or if they've mastered this, what do they do next? You know, there aren't the kind of pathways. So I think people don't – so there's a lot of choice, but people don't necessarily make the optimal choices. Um, so I think there could be a lot more than just, you know, here's, here's a gizmo, here's the market, get on with it. One thing that we talk about a lot is sometimes when you have complexity, most of the time when you have complexity or you need – is not learning everything because it's impossible. Even people that know enough about technology or we talk about technology in society all the time like we do, it's uh, we couldn't do it. But I think you could create 
been discovered that method. It's kind of like the method of learning, you know, in the car example, again, comes, you don't need to know how it works. You need to know how mm -hmm. to operate it. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, you need to have an idea that, yeah, there is an engine that propels the wheels and that you control it with the steering wheel. I mean, at least that basic. And I feel we're kind of missing that entire basic concept that could make the understanding of the internet, the IoT, and the apps, as Sean says, and the tablet, like, it's so mysterious that I think we need to figure that out. And it's easy then to say, and there's nothing that pisses me off the most when people say technology is bad. Something is bad. TV is bad. And, you know, on the other mm -hmm. hand, it, it did educate it and teach teach the language in the 50s to entire population. Mm. Italy mm. was one of those. Um, so again, is, did it come up on your research that there is a sort of a, a general direction that made you hope versus more positive things than, than the fear factor? One of the interesting things is that parents um, very often kind of start from a hopeful position. Perhaps it's something about kind of having a child and thinking about their future and you can't imagine it. So, um, and there's something about children that, that generates a kind of, um, uh, you know, children are enthusiastic, they're ready to embrace things, they laugh, they mess around, they do wacky and weird things that aren't the way the thing was designed, but kind of work in the situation maybe doesn't matter I'm doing a project right now on how children play with technology and it's you know it's kind of quite inspiring just to look at all the fun ways they play hide and seek on zoom or I don't know or you know kind of think of ways of um uh, breaking the rules in their games and you know so, they're so hackers they, they they are they, they they're just ready to have fun and make the world their their way um, so I think um, in relation to your point about the, um, the, the complexity, Marco, I think, uh, I think what parents would like is to kind of know where to focus, you know, so take your, your car analogy. Um, okay, there can be all the marketing that says get this car or that car, you know, whatever, and they can make a consumer choice. But what really matters, maybe if they're environmentalists, is to know which is the kind of the greener car, which is the more environmental car. And I think in relation to technology, they don't know where to go to get that kind of information, to get the, the kind of the trusted information on the thing that matters to their values. Or even, you know, maybe they're going to, you're talking to someone who doesn't drive, I don't drive, I, I, I ride a bike. So, um, you know, maybe they're going to be the ones who want their kids to cycle. Um, and, um, and they're in a world made for cars. So they would like some kind of alternative pathways and they don't know how to find those alternatives though, you know, in this big wide world, they probably exist, but it's about getting the signposts. So I think it, it can sound kind of boring, but I think questions of trusted information and signposting and kind of quality criteria, those are, those are sort of the things that parents want, but not with a normative vision that says this is what you all want parents, but one that lets them kind of pick their different paths. And then they're happy to learn about the stuff. Then they're happy to figure it out. But no, they can't learn engineering and they can't learn coding and they can't learn the data ecology that is... And they shouldn't. Oh, uh, they shouldn't. <laughs> no, they're busy. They are busy. Now, I, I want your perspective on, on this now, Sonia, where... Traditionally, we've had pockets of societies, right? Little communities that 
have their own traditions and their own ways of doing things. And, and with technology, we open this up wide open. Uh, and, and with that, we share traits and habits with each other. And uh, I'm thinking about, uh, in Ireland, they, they watch a lot of us shows. So a lot of Irish folks pick up the American accent. And mm -hmm. I know that the, the new next new generation of, of kids say like a lot, this like that, like this, like that. And I'm wondering, so how, how some things that maybe those are good or bad, I don't know, but how some of those habits or slangs or other things that may have been localized to a particular area then become wider spread mm -hmm. and how that affects uh, the global view of, of how we parent. And, and where I really want to get to is there's those things that maybe tell a kid or teach a kid how to do something that they wouldn't have otherwise seen, but they might see something that may go against the parents' values or ethical views where that is portrayed to be okay in this digital world when in fact that's not okay, right? And so there's mm -hmm. human rights and children's rights and things like that that come into play here as well. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you have any, any insight or thoughts on how parents handle some of those types of things. Yeah, um, all of all of those things are happening and they're all so complex because um, in a way, thinking about how people navigate the the digital world really makes me realize how how rooted in the the kind of the physical locale we always have been and what an effort it was to meet people outside our own community or for children outside their own street or or school uh, so so and with those kind of physical restrictions came all kinds of you know, particular norms that developed in, you know, this is how we do it in our village or our town or wherever that, that are just thrown up in the air. So I think this is partly where children feel newly empowered and they are excited. They feel like they are the pioneers in a space that their parents don't know. And they kind of know that this is new. Um, 30 years ago, children couldn't explore. It was not it was not straightforward at all to find spaces and cultures and games and ideas that their parents didn't already know about and hadn't already got a view. So there, there is an excitement and a very strong sense you get from kids that this is our space. This is our chance. We are the digital ones. Um, and parents are, are kind of in watch that sort of intrigued and in a way hopeful because they they're always trying to bridge that gap between how they were brought up and where they came from and what they know and this new you know even if they've got some skills even if they use it at work they're still feeling that distance between their childhood and now and the children and they watch their children with a kind of fascination and pride they just go off. They just do it. They just, but then also, um, uh, so I guess what a, what what parents are coming to often to deal with the, the the fear of the unknown is a sense that they need to talk more explicitly about values. They need to be, and that's what you hear a lot from the the advice that parents get. Um, and and I'm happy with that. You know, the the advice that says only two hours and that's it, turn it off, is just meaningless and doesn't fit in the modern world. But the advice that says talk to your children, think about your values, think about how you want to bring them up, listen to them to kind of make sure you understand their experiences. You know, that's that's fine. I think that's that is equipping them on a journey because 
they are going to be in places that the parents are, are not going to see or or get to. And some of the some of the possibilities, you know, the kids, the hobbyists, the ones with the uh, funny, geeky interests that they could never find anyone else who cares about what they care about at school. Um, the ones who are um, uh, struggling sometimes maybe with their sexuality or their mental health uh, or their ethnicity in a way that online they can find a community. Um, you know, I think all of those things are just very powerful. And when they find it, parents are delighted. Um, but it feels very haphazard. Then I'm kind of not sure how to, how to find it and how to make that happen. A lot of opportunities and a lot of um, fears, which are very human, right? I mean, you're a psychologist, so you you know that there are certain certain times, oftentimes actually, uh, I think about what Marsha McLuhan would think about what the global village really is now and how the the medium really is <laughs> the message. And, uh, you know, it kind of predicted it. And, and I'm connecting again, you know, this village that Sean mm -hmm. brought up, it was much mm -hmm. more easier to control. It's mm -hmm. our culture. It's our, this mm -hmm. is the way we have always done things. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you have an access to first with the radio, then the TV, and then now with the infinite access that you may have like there is an app that i, I really like that make me find randomly all this radio around the world mm -hmm. and, and i'm a radio geek so i just go there and i just randomly i start hearing things in japan and antarctica whatever it is and i find it amazing and and as you say if your parents are open-minded and open to evolution and change evolution in, in the way we think. But if you are struggling with understanding and controlling this, this is the biggest fear. Like I'm losing control of my kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how? Yeah. So control is the wrong metaphor. Control is just the wrong, you know, we have to move away from that because we don't control our kids and we don't control. Um, and it's, it's, So we bring up our kids mm -hmm. and, it's a, and it's a negotiation, it's a dialogue, it's a journey, it's um, an interaction. Um, and um, so parents influence their kids, absolutely. But what, what research shows over and over is the more parents try to control, the more the kids evade. And there's this kind of, you know, dance in which um, uh, things just go wrong and there's more misunderstandings. Um, One of my um, favorite examples is, is, you know, back to screen time. If the parents say two hours, that's that. Then the kids um, uh, evade or they conflict uh, and it just becomes a problem. But if you, you know, if you negotiate and you negotiation, I know what, you know, it takes a long time, all that endless negotiation with the kids, you know, why are you doing this and tell me about that and trying to share. It takes a lot of parenting time. Not not all parents have such a lot of time. I, I, I absolutely realize. Um, but controlling is a is a poor metaphor. And we don't try to control our child's learning or play. There's something about the tech that makes us think we should be able to control that particularly. Maybe because it has all these kind of knobs and switches. Right. So. That's what I was going to say. You want to control. In the beginning, I can I can turn Marco's uh, connection speed down on him. But <laughs> I, I, I want to look very positively with you, Sonia, as we as we kind of get close to the end here. And so I, I I'll relate it back to kind of this point of the village, right? I, I live in this 
in this city or this town or this region and it has its own weather and certain types of people and certain types of restaurants perhaps if i'm fortunate enough to have the means and and uh, the desire and the uh, ability from my parents to say go venture on see what else is out there i can experience and explore so much maybe find things that that uh really that i'm in really in tune with even though they don't come from my own little village so i'm wondering how parents can provide a space for their children in this digital world where they can go and explore and find some of those cool things that they can connect with you gave a couple examples uh, of uh, race and and sexuality Mm -hmm. i'm wondering are there other examples where parents can say here's how you do that here's how you do it safely go venture explore find yourself find new things i think there could be a lot more but i i don't want to say parents are failing in this because i really do think that as a society we haven't given them the pointers whether it you know could come from the school or government or children's charities or indeed from the industry you know wherever it could come from I think there's very few kind of pointers and and guides for parents um especially ones that aren't incredibly kind of normative and um sort of overbearing in you know criticizing them if they get things wrong uh so I think the best guide um the best kind of simple guide is the child and doing things together and you know I interviewed one um, parent and child and the child was a, a crazy gamer uh, and he just wanted to show me his whole kind of gaming setup and as we went upstairs to look at his whole gaming setup his mother who was a single mom said um, you know I don't know what he does up there tell, tell me tell me what he does up there and this, this kid was 12 and I just thought so I'm going to go upstairs and ask him and you can do that too, you know, and you can sit down with him and say, Hey, tell me how you got this. Why, why is your keyboard got these red keys? And, you know, how do you make the little, whatever it is, the intros and outros for YouTube and whatever he did. Um, And there is something there is, you know, so, so kids are great guides and they are figuring it out. And of course they're not, you know, the village metaphor is apt because they're not, trying to explore that whole world they're trying to find a few pointers and places where they can belong and feel a kind of sense of connection and feel that someone kind of gets them and what it is they want to do and they're sort of building just a a village that yeah you know that kind of extends online um but isn't hugely extensive you know they want to play their game with their five friends and people they've known for years that's what they love you know it's it's not the whole thing, It's but parents need to kind of understand that they are making some identity choices and some value choices and sharing those. And in the, in the end, I think that's the key. And I, I was thinking, I don't like to do the tips and advice, as I said at the beginning, but maybe like one takeaway. Mm. I think you just, you just gave it, because in, in the end, it's about finding your, your tribe, Right, mm-hmm. it, that the diverse tribe that you belong, and it's so hard mm-hmm. to find it in your little village or in your mm-hmm. little area of the town and and online. Mm-hmm. I think that could be the positive message. You mm-hmm. you 
Mm, yeah, there yeah, is so I'm, much diversity there. You're not alone. You can't, you know, and that's the source, unfortunately, of many form of depression and suicide. Mm, and and mm, it's like I'm the only one that feels mm, the way I feel. Mm-hmm. So that should be embraced, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe that's that good takeaway. Yeah, yeah, it's a great takeaway. Absolutely. There, there are so many possibilities, but it's not about engaging with them all. It's about just kind of finding a pathway that works for you. And I think that's what a lot of kids are looking for. Actually, I think a lot of parents are, are too. I love it, Sonia. And maybe as, as we do wrap here, uh, one thing that comes to mind is this divide, right? So you enter this digital world and then you come back to the physical world. And I'm wondering in that, and to your point of the, when you went to the to chat with the gamer and his mother hadn't had any conversations. I, I feel we still need to have those conversations with our kids, right? Mm-hmm. It can't just be go use the technology and figure everything out. It's mm-hmm. what are you doing? What are you learning? Mm-hmm. How is that affecting you? What are you thinking? And in both directions. So I'm wondering any thoughts on how parents can maintain that mm-hmm. mental and well, physical relationship in, in concert with the digital one. We spend so much time telling parents that they're the responsible ones, they're the ones who should know, and in so many ways, of course, they are. But maybe in relation to the digital space, this is a place where they can kind of learn a bit more from their child and, you know, just just ask some more questions, let the child be, be a bit more of a guide because uh, that can often work really well. I do think that our present times... Um, have been very interesting. You know, I did the research before we were all locked down, but suddenly we can all see each other's lives as everyone fights for access to the tablet or um, the laptop or whatever, you know, and, and everyone is in the same space so much more. I think we can see much more Kids can see what parents' work looks like. Um, Parents can see what kids' friends look like. Um, Everyone can kind of see the games together and is inventing new games, actually, to play, you know, during during lockdown. So I think there are some, um, you know, maybe a little silver lining of our present crazy world is that we can get a bit more engaged. I think think there is a lot of silver lining. It's just we don't talk Mm. enough about it. It's like cybersecurity. We're always pointing out the problem and never all the the positive things that that there is out there. And then the other thing is cyber world, technology, real life, the way I see it, that's what society is right now. So it's cyber society. It's actually society. And and with that, again, I, I... I didn't expect to have answer, although I think many people have found a few answers in this conversation. I hope so. Mm. If they want to find even more, I will invite to go get your book and read it. Uh, Parenting for a Digital Future, How Hopes and Fears About Technology Shape Children's Lives. And we will have resources, links on the notes for this podcast. And we invite everybody to share if... Uh, you learn something and you find this something that you could share and, and you know, maybe with other parents, maybe with uh, with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead and do it. And Sonia, this was a very enlightening conversation and uh, we really thank you for the time. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, Glad to hear that. It. Life is what you make it. And uh, 
you made this slice uh, wonderful, Sonia. I appreciate that. Hope to chat with you again soon. Now it's Sean Gray, you're room. Come on. <laughs> no more screen Without time. eating. <laughs> no more screen time. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at nintex.com.